Welcome to the NCO Journal Podcast, where we explore NCO professional development. This is a podcast series where we discuss published articles with authors and provide a forum for the open exchange of ideas, information, and solutions. I'm your host, Staff Sergeant Brandon Cox, Senior Editor with the NCO Journal. With us, the Managing Editor of the NCO Journal, Chaga Zapata, and Senior Editor, Tony Mena. Today, we discuss a very popular article titled, The Understated Art of Knowing When to STFU with authors, retired Command Sergeant Major Gabriel Arnold. He's a chair for the Department of Army Operations at Sergeant Major's Academy, Fort Bliss, Texas, and co-author Sergeant Major Robert Nelson, also a senior instructor and vice chair for the Department of Operations, Sergeant Major's Academy. Before we get started, could you please tell us a bit about yourselves? So uh, my name is Gabe Arnold. Currently, I'm the chair for the Department of Army Operations. It's one of five departments in the Sergeant Major Residence course here on Fort Bliss. Uh, I finished my career here. It was 32 years uh, in 1 December 2020, and I really, really wanted to come back here and work. And so I'm able to, I was able to get that opportunity. And so now um, I love my job, and uh, we spend a great deal of effort in providing the best education we can to develop our senior enlisted leaders. And uh, I'm Sergeant Major Nelson. Um, I worked with Mr. Arnold as the vice chair for the Department of Army Operations at Star Majors Academy. Um, I've just recently transitioned down to our S1 position. I've been in the Army 29 years. I have a medical background. Um, and like, like Mr. Arnold, um, I've spent a lot of time and effort over the last four or five years of my career trying to educate and train the best Sergeant Majors the world has ever seen. It's kind of our goal, and it's kind of one of the things that we're keeping working on. So about it for me. Yeah, absolutely. And this article, I mean, it was expertly written. I know everybody at the NCO Journal really enjoyed it. We enjoyed working on it. Um, it had a great title, um, which provoked a lot of responses, and it was over a great topic. What really made you uh, initially want to want to write about this? It was after an extremely long meeting <laughs> that we, we had had, and uh, we were just joking around, kind of tongue-in-cheek, and we're like, hey, that'd be a great topic for an article. Let's write something on it. And I was like, yeah, you know, I got there's a couple of theories about, you know, organizational power that kind of fit into this. The next day I came in early, wrote up the first draft and had it sent. And I was like, hey, check this out. And, uh, you know, read it and was like, holy cow, yeah, we'll tweak this a little bit and do some more work. And we, we thought it was really good. So it uh, started out to be a little bit funny, but then it became kind of serious. And uh, hopefully uh, everyone enjoyed it. I, I wanted to ask about um, your reference to old timers. Obviously, that was just something that you guys put on there because it's, it's part of our, I guess, a military lexicon, I guess. Uh, it's great just, question. And just kind of go into that as to why that's important. Yeah, great question. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. Right. I, I was not taking my own advice and shutting up. <laughs> um, so really, this this is not a made up word. Um, I know it's part of the lexicon for the military, but it's also part of a Lavin Wagner's theory of legitimate peripheral participation. They wrote an article back in 1991, and there have been quite a quite a few books that have spun off of it. And basically, it's about organizational power and how people learn within organizations. And their theory basically says that when a, a new person joins an organization, they're essentially a newcomer and they're allowed to participate on the peripheral part of an activity, whatever it may be. Think, think about getting a new soldier in your unit. What do you allow them to do when they first show up? Usually, it's very little. And, you know, hey, we're going to go over some basic stuff. Once we see you have that, maybe you're going to move up. We're going to let you do a little more. We're going to let you do a little more until we feel comfortable with you and we know you're confident. Then we're going to let you do everything. 
Um, every profession that you can think of has a similar process for assimilating new people into the organization. So what Levin Wagner theorized was there, there was uh, an application of power that the old timers, people that had been in the organization a while and were allowed to move throughout a particular activity, they controlled the speed at which newcomers could progress. So if they liked you, if they thought you were smart, if you know they spent time speaking with you and you know they, they wanted you to be part of the organization, you would progress very rapidly from outsider, a newcomer to an old timer. And people that they didn't like, they might spend a lot of time on the periphery of the organization, uh, not getting to do a whole lot for whatever reason. Um, and some of it has to do with organizational power, just we like this person and we don't, they might not say it out loud, but th there, there's absolutely some truth in it. So that, that's kind of where that came from. Uh, I can't take credit for it. That was, that was their words. You guys' article is doing great. I mean, it's one of the fastest growing articles we've had on social media in a while. Um, and actually, because we're on this topic, one of the most popular and controversial opinions on your article is that this, uh, if I can, I'll read it straight from the article. It says, uh, when an old timer asks about an idea or decision, be careful because what they really want is for you to agree with them, not tell them what you think, and anything contrary may place your reputation and career at risk. So this line struck a lot of controversy uh, so far, and we had a comment from uh, Tony Dennis Noya on Facebook. He said, zipping your mouth is not the correct approach when there is an ethical, moral, or legal risk. What can you add to that? I'd say that... To me, that's and nothing against the person that made the comment because we welcome the feedback, whether it's positive or negative. But I think what you can do is you can take things out of context. For example, I mean, we are not in any way implying that you should be quiet when it comes to something illegal or immoral. Of course, we did address that specifically. And that comes down to, you know, the article, it's, it's, it's a basic concept we're trying to deliver. But, but, but absolutely, you know, I understand his point, but that's not the intent. That's not what we mean. Um, really, it comes down to we want folks to understand the environment they're operating in. So even when you're in, you're in one organization, that environment changes throughout the day, depending on where you're at within that organization. I don't know if I answered the question, but I'll let Rob jump in there. Yes, I totally agree with what Mr. Arnold said. We are not saying that you should be quiet if you see something illegal, unethical, or immoral. Obviously, the right thing to do is to speak up and to say something. The problem is when we look across the army, not everybody does that. There's all sorts of bad things that happen or that are going on that people know about and they don't say anything. So why don't people say anything? Chances are the reasons that they're not speaking up are related to some of these power differentials. Maybe, and this, this will sound what we were just talking about, like, hey, if you if you tell your your boss something that they might disagree with, yeah, that might place your career in jeopardy of, or some type, right? So if your boss is that person doing something illegal or immoral or unethical, like what happens in many cases, people are likely not speaking up because they fear some sort of retribution from their boss. They they realize this is one of the reasons why they have to be quiet. So really, this it's 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 twofold. We're, we're not saying be quiet. We're saying, yeah, you should speak up, but the reason that you're not might be related to some of these issues or the reason that some people don't. I uh, hope that makes sense. No, it does. And I, th I think a lot of, especially junior soldiers, struggle with that every day um, with seniors when they, they may not even know what the process is uh, to complete the mission. And maybe they think that's wrong, but they don't really say anything because they're afraid of reprisal or retribution, like you said. What do you think would be a good idea then 
or, or some good advice to give to a junior NCO about how to do that? Yeah, I think if I had the answer to that, we'd probably write a book about it and <laughs> sell a whole bunch of copies. Because, you know, that, I think that's one of the things we definitely struggle with is, you know, getting folks to speak up when it is something uh, that's really bad. So my advice, first thing is, if it's illegal, unethical, immoral, you've got to speak up. It, you have a duty to do it. So you just have to be prepared that it's not going to be easy. The, the other sort of advice that I would give junior NCOs in regards to being able to speak up is try to build relationships with the people around you so that you're more comfortable talking about hard things. Uh, and I, I know that can be very hard to do when, when you're a sergeant and you know we're saying, hey, you, you should be able to go talk to the first sergeant. And they might be very intimidated by the first sergeant. Um, some people do this very well, some don't. So and I know it, it's, it's a little bit ironic that we've written an article about being quiet and we're giving you answers that are you know five minutes long each. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would just say, and I don't know, I mean, we can take this out if it's not relevant, but there there is one more dangerous element. I, I say dangerous. I'm not even sure if that's the right word, but it's it's perception. And uh, I'll, I'll speak from a personal perspective. If if you have the perception that something inappropriate is going on, let's say an inappropriate relationship, some type of sexual harassment or sexual assault or fraternization of some type, you know, it's it's you have to be careful. In that situation, you really have to have the facts before you speak up because you're dealing with someone's career. And even if it's it's a false accusation, you're still almost destroying the reputation of the individual accused. And that's that's another element in there that's just tough. Now that we've talked about some of the more extreme side of what to do when when speaking up, um, and I know a lot of those commenters, that's I think that's where their mind was headed when they wrote some of these comments was like, well, so you're telling me not to talk at all, right? That's really not what the article is about. And I wonder uh, if you guys would go through some of those principles of your article to kind of explain what it is you're trying to give to the public. Let's talk about the first one. We're talking about time and organization. Think about being a part of an organization where you get a new platoon leader or a new platoon sergeant or a new sergeant or a new somebody. And the first day they show up, they start bad-mouthing all the stuff they perceive is wrong about the organization. They haven't really been there long enough to understand what's going on, but they just start telling you about all the bad things that, 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 they're, that they're seeing that are happening, potentially, without really understanding what's going on. That would be the first thing that, at least from you know my, my perspective in the military, is when new folks show up and they just don't shut up, they just keep talking about things before they understand, um, that takes away from their ability to have a credible voice in the organization. So like Mr. Arnold just said, you really want to get the facts uh, before you start, you know, running your mouth about things. Uh, I think, I think that's maybe the first thing to consider. So if you've been in the organization a short time, it's best to be quiet just for a little bit, unless it's something illegal, unethical, or moral, then you should do it. Yeah. And that, and this is also very annoying to what we called old timers or folks that have vested time, in the organization that have been working very hard. So you got this new person coming in, pointing out all these deficiencies and acting like they're the ones, uh, you know, that are here to save the day. And so, you know, get a little time under your belt, you know, do some active listening, work hard, gain an understanding, and then, you know, 
it might be a, a more appropriate time to speak up and point out what might be wrong. Sure. And, you know, that, that leads right into your reputation in the unit. Um, you know, just showing up and being the naysayer uh, and, and identifying all the stuff without, you know, first really understanding why uh, things, are, things are the way they are, that will potentially give you a bad reputation. It will take away your voice, your ability to speak up when things become more important. It's directly related to, you know, your, the, the power that you have in the organization, either by position, which is a form of power in the military, probably the most popularly used form, even though it's probably not the most effective. You know, you really want that expert or referent power, which kind of ties into the next principle we talked about, is competence. Yeah. You, you could be a very competent person, very intelligent, uh, but like if, I'll tie it back to no time in the organization. If you, if you don't wait for the appropriate time to apply that competence, let's say with speaking up, and this has nothing to do with illegal or immoral, uh, then you know the old timers or the folks that have been in that organization for a while can deem you incompetent, or you know you just you have to work a little while before you actually earn. Uh, again, flipping back to the old timers, them deeming you competent as somebody you know who should have a voice, who's intelligent, has good ideas, and we should listen to this person. Right, and you know I just want to add one more thing, kind of to this this whole sort of concept here. So a lot of this stuff that we're talking about, they're not overt public conversations. Uh, you know, this is stuff that happens kind of behind closed doors where, you know, you've got some people that have been in the organization a while and they'll sort of decide how valuable the person's voice is. And they're, they're not going to come out and say it publicly, but they're going to say, hey, I mean, flat out, this person is not helpful to the unit. They're not very smart. They're not going to be in a position of authority you know, until they straighten out or for the rest of the time they're here. Uh, they're, they're private conversations that happen that no one will probably talk about. Then if you, if, well, should, I don't know if I want to interject, but I was going to talk about power for a minute. You know, there's basically two types of power, um, positional. You know, if you take an average organization who has a command sergeant major and a lieutenant colonel, those folks have the positional power. So, you know, they're going to have a voice right off the bat. Folks are going to listen to them. And then you got positional power, which is, you know, it takes time to gain that. You know, uh, let's take Sergeant First Class Nelson as an example. Always gets the mission complete, always takes care of soldiers, always gets the job done, always has a positive attitude. That individual over time is building his personal power. So when that individual decides to speak up, he's more likely to be listened to. That makes me think of a um, when I when I first joined the military, uh, he was a master sergeant, and this was back in uh, 1989. Uh, he was a, a Vietnam vet. He said very little, but whenever he did speak, it was meaningful, it was relevant, uh, and it was impactful, and people listened. You know, uh, I'll always remember this guy. His name was uh, Master Sergeant Black, uh, and that was that was a long time ago. But uh, I think that there was a lesson there that he taught me that I to this day I learn. Speak lightly, but carry a big stick. I feel we should use that line in the article. That's a good one. Well, speaking of lines in the article, I'm just going to go with my favorite. Hit me right off the bat. As soon as I read it, I was like, we're taking this. And then it inspired like the cover art and everything. So my favorite line was, the quality of an idea is not as important as the reputation of the person presenting the idea. So can you talk about either where you found that line. I mean, that thing made me think of like the last 20 years of my life and just like, wow, that just nailed the last 20 years on the head. Like it was 
such a great line. We used it on the social media too. Yeah, so it was their like social it was, media it was posts perfect. and everything. So if you could talk about where you found the line or how you thought of it and why you decided to put it in there, which is, and that'll help future writers too. I, I want to say we made it up because it was such a good line, but <laughs> in, in, in all reality, there's an author named Adam Grant who wrote a book called Originals. He alludes to it a little bit about the qualities of ideas and organizations where a good idea, if it's presented by someone that doesn't have uh, a good reputation or isn't perceived of as, as smart or an old timer or whatever, that idea might fall on deaf ears. And you've probably seen it a bunch of times in a bunch of different organizations where the people that are closest to the, the execution of an activity, you know, they're the doers, they'll have good ideas on, on how to streamline processes, make things more efficient, maybe do things better. And a lot of times it just falls on deaf ears when they bring it up because they're not, they're not perceived as having knowledge, power, uh, you know, positional or personal or whatever uh, to, to add value to that idea. So I don't know. I, th I, th I think it, that, that's probably one of the, the biggest truths in the article. Um, and it's something that folks need to be aware of so that when you do maybe have one of those good ideas and you're not in a great position, don't give up. You know, there, there are things you can do. Take your idea, work on increasing your, your, your personal position, your reputation, your knowledge, your competence, your relationships. And uh, you can get that idea out there and maybe make the organization better. You know, kind of fear using a personal example, but <clears throat> I told you I wanted to get back here. And I knew that as soon as I started as an instructor, because I knew I was retiring here. And uh, I said to myself, you know what? I'm going to work very hard on my reputation. And, and the way I got after that is, first of all, the way I treated people. Didn't matter what their rank was. I treated them with dignity and respect. Not kissing up, but being very responsive and treating them like what they needed or who they were mattered. Another thing I focused on was knowing when to speak up, you know, not just rattling off just because I had something to say. You know, I was very deliberate about when I did speak up. That, that kind of brings up a question because yesterday, myself, Sergeant Cox and our, our executive officer were having a, a conversation. We're just sitting there chilling. And I caught myself. Rather than listening to what was actually what was actively being said to me, I was kind of like holding my own comments in reserve. You know what I'm saying? So I was I wasn't actively listening like I should have. I was waiting for my turn to speak. And you know, as 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 when I got home, I was like, I, what, "What was I? What what was I thinking?" You know, I I uh, there's an opportunity here to learn by just listening and 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 not necessarily devoting that time that while you are listening to, you know, preparing your, uh, what you're going to say. So what do you guys got to say about that? What do you, what do you think about that? Yeah, that comes from Stephen Covey's seven habits of highly effective people where, you know, one of the habits is listening to understand versus listening to respond. I, I can't tell you the times I, I was doing it just now a little bit when, when you were speaking, I was like, Oh, that's perfect. That's just what he's talking about. I got my, I'm getting my response ready. Um, before I'm really focusing on what you're saying. And it's just a bad habit. So I, I think that's absolutely a true thing that people do. It's, it's natural human behavior, if you will, but it, you have to be aware of it to overcome of it. Uh, you got to be comfortable with like uncomfortable silences. So when somebody else says something, stop for a second, maybe rephrase what they're saying, and then, and then, then formulate your response and, and, and reply versus just you know trying to win the argument with some, you know, half-cocked idea that you think you understood. 
our, our doctrine to uh, ADP 6-22 also backs up Mr. Covey, kind of talks about the same things when it's referencing the, the leadership requirements model, you know, under communicates and active listening. Listen to understand versus listen to respond. Um, I had a boss really that I think finally taught me by example how to be a better active listener. And he did it because he, he was just somebody that was so disciplined. You know, he would always, very patient. He would always wait for you to finish speaking. And what I realized one day, I don't know when I had the wake up call, but I'm like, I felt bad because I was like constantly interrupting him while he was talking because I wanted to get my point out or show him my experience or show him how much I knew. And, and what I was really doing was showing how immature and undisciplined I was and not listening to the boss. So just like you said, you were listening to respond, right? I, I still do the same thing, but it takes a conscious effort to listen to understand. What rank were you when that happened? Sergeant major, so I didn't figure it out till you know a long time in my career. <laughs> when you were an old timer, it was last week. Yeah. <laughs> I have a question for you. So, this article is crushing it on social media. We have responses from both sides of the fence. People are absolutely engaged. I want to ask you, why do you think that it's just resonating so much with the audience? First of all, I think it's 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 very relevant and very relatable. I think as an individual reads this article, even if they're a junior person, they can see or in their head or remember examples of some of these things playing out. So I think it, it being relatable is one of the more powerful things, in my opinion. It is relatable. As you read it, you will think of ideas where you experience these exact things and you're either going to be like, this is BS. I totally don't agree with this. Or, yeah, that same thing happened to me. Oh, that, now I understand why. Um, and it, so that's like the first part. The second part is it's a little bit controversial. The title is a little bit funny. You know, there's some tongue in cheek involved and at the end of the day too, it's good advice. I have some writing questions, uh, that'll help our future authors. Um, sure. So you guys are return authors. You've done you know, multiple articles for us. What is your writing process? Cause everyone's different and I'd love to know yours. Jot down a bunch of ideas, um, on a whiteboard. I said, we, we talked about it and, you know, a lot of times it, it's a little bit of tongue in cheek when we're, when we're talking about articles and then, you know, we'll maybe find some research, uh, make a quick outline and then just pass it back and forth. Yeah, and I'd also, I'd also recommend start with something you're somewhat passionate about, you know, cause mm -hmm. it, it's going to make it easier. But again, the hard part about writing is the research to back up what you're, what you're saying. Are there any final thoughts by you guys you want your reader to know or future writers or the army in general? Hey, my, my, my closing thought on, on future writers is, Hey, you got to write. It's a great uh, medium to get your ideas out there. If you write about something interesting, you can generate some discussion. And even if people don't agree with you, in fact, if everyone's agreeing with you, it's probably time to shut up because there's no need to talk. So, Hey, write, get your ideas out there and, you know, have discussions. It'll make you smarter. Thank you, Sergeant Majors, for joining us. And a thank you to our audience. Remember to put your knowledge to the page, submit articles, and get published with the NCO Journal. Don't forget to check out our webpage and follow us on social media. We'll catch you next time on the NCO Journal Podcast.